back in school, you'd have like a student teacher, right? So I am your student preacher for the night, <laughs> but I'm not interested in letting this all go to waste, right? This gathering here. We're not coloring here tonight, folks. Um, so I do hope to be a blessing uh, and encouragement to everybody in the room. Um, some of you have been around a lot longer than me. Some people are just kind of coming up behind me. So I hope that there's something here for everybody. Um, but I do kind of want to preface tonight's message. Um, this is the second time I've stood up here, and the first time was kind of like a short little thing. And so uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just kind of think that maybe it's important and fitting uh, to say a few things. Um, so with that, I know at this point that I'm called to preach. And I can't take a defensive stance on the topic. Um, I kind of view it like my salvation. Um, it's a sort of thing that I feel like the Lord is like, here you go. And so now what are you going to do with it? And just like with salvation, me standing up here or having anything to say isn't really of me, and so therefore I don't feel the need to have something to defend. Um, but there are a few points about it, I guess, that I can kind of make sense of. Um, so I just figured I'd list those off. Um, number one is that I am not your most likely candidate. The fact that I'm st standing up here at all, if you knew me before salvation, or if any of those folks were to know that I'm standing up here trying to preach God's word, are sure to have to stand back and be like, wow, God must have done something with that guy. Number two, I'm not my least likely candidate. Uh, a few years ago, I remember on a few occasions, sitting there, and I don't really tend to argue with Pastor much when he's saying stuff. I could think of a couple occurrences, but I really don't. But there was a few times that he is like, Everybody wants to be the preacher. And I boldly in my head was like, no, I don't. <laughs> so I'm just saying. I mean that, though. And so the, 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 the road. Number three, I'm not studious in any way. I'm the type of guy that reads a headline and a caption, and I decipher the whole story based off those two things. <laughs> True story. When I was in school, when I was in elementary school, I was behind on a, uh, oh, what's that called? I wrote it down. A book report. And my brother was like, all you got to do is read the first two pages of the chapter and the last two pages of the chapter and make up everything in the middle. <laughs> and I think I got like halfway through the book and I just made up the rest of it. So like, if that just gives you any idea to the concept of studying out a book or referencing chapters and verses. I'm not saying that God's like meeting with me in my office, like da 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 I'm not trying to act that spiritual. I'm just trying to say that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense of why I'd be here, but at the same time, there's been some moments that to me is very clear uh, when the Lord was showing me something and showing me how to find that. And then it was also very clear that that same light was turned off for a little while. So I was actually talking to Pastor about that not that long ago. Um, sometimes, and maybe this will be encouraging in its own right, um, you're doing the right thing and uh, going to school. I was going to school and, uh, you know, trying to make the best of every day. 
And so there was a period of time that I felt like the Lord just kept dropping, you know, outlines, I guess, on me. Um, and then there was a period of time that it all just kind of dried up and stopped. And in that moment, I realized more so why we just went through that is that this is not of me because of myself, I can't create this stuff. Um, anyway, um, so where are we at here? Oh, I literally asked the Lord. I asked the Lord about this a bunch of times. Like in, you know, my, I hate talking about prayer, but in prayer, are you sure about this? And so I asked the Lord one day for confirmation. I don't, I'd see, I, I guess I was past this, but I'm already here now. So I pray about it. I drive to work at the time. I'm still driving an hour. I get an hour down the road. I got two full outlines with references. And in that is, yes, you're called to do this. Son. So here I am, and I hope that I don't mess it up for you. Um, again, this isn't really about me, but since I'm the guy standing here, it's scary, and, um, you know, like, there might be, like, some sort of, like, wall right there that you can't see, but, like, I'm only seven or eight steps away, and my anxiety is just fine right there, but then you get up here, and you're like, ah, so I hope that I don't mess this up for anybody. Um, so, um, Yeah, and so I said all that for two things. Number one is pastor was preaching this last Sunday. And so I have no idea what my purpose is. I'm not saying that I'm called to be a pastor or for any great ambitions as a preacher. I just know that today I want to do, I want to be willing to do what the Lord would have me to. Pastor asked me if I'd be willing to do this. Absolutely. Um, So anyway, at work... Uh, I've been a leader for a long time. Um, at work, um, I might make food, I might wash dishes, I might scrub the floor. There's some guys probably watching this from work. They're not going to call me a liar tomorrow. Well, Tuesday I'll see them again. They're not going to call me a liar then because um, the thing is, like, in the secular world, I believe in showing these guys that I'm willing to do these things before I ask them to do it. And furthermore, when I ask them to do it, I don't want any lip out of them because they just saw me do it. Um, so, and I say that because generally, generally when we think about encouragement, we think about positive encouragement. Um, um, it's, it always feels good when somebody fluffs your pillow and pats you on the back and all that. Although negative encouragement does exist just as much and can be just as useful. Um, I'm a boss, maybe your boss looks at you and says, you know, don't you think you should have... You might think he's being a jerk, but he's probably trying to help you grow. Uh, He's probably trying to help you come to better decision-making. It doesn't help anybody if you fail, really. Um, Anyway, so I say all that um, because of these outlines, some of them are a little bit more positive encouragement, and some of them are a little bit abrasive. Um, in the getting ready for that, this, and deciding what to say, where to start, um, I feel like the Lord said, don't you think you should be nice first? Because that's more or less how I would approach you at work. Um, I do think all the outlines that I've put down could be used for your encouragement and edifying. 
Um, but anyway, I just figured I would start off my preaching uh, on a positive note. And so, uh, again, my greatest concern isn't necessarily the words on the paper. It's just me messing it up along the way. And so what I'd like to do tonight is a study on our book. Um, because you're going to get attacked out there. And I know that most of you already know that. Um, if you walked out of here and you said, Harry Potter is my favorite book, nobody's going to give you any stink about that. And you might even like get some positive feedback and gain some friends along the way. But if you say that the King James Bible is my favorite book, you're going to get some harassment, some dirty looks, avoidance. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that come with, with this book. And so what I'm hoping to do today is help you, if you don't already have it, or maybe just strengthen the mustard that you already have, to stand against that storm. Um, I used to be guilty of, of coming at people like Peter and cutting their ears off, and I recognize now that you've got to be more patient with that and pick and choose your battles. And I'm not trying to encourage you to go out there and fight any. Um, but we all have feelings inside of us. And so I just want to give you some, some, some facts uh, from the world. And then I also want to look at some scripture. And I'll try not to be too exhaustive with the references. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I do, want to, uh, I do want to froth you up. Pastor talks about that. I say. Uh, about getting frothed up in song service. I don't want to do that, but I do want to get frothed up for the right reason, and the right reason is standing strong on this book here. So, if you went to Brooklyn and said, I got a pizza from Jesse, then I'd probably say, sure, okay. But if you went to Alexandria or Egypt and said, I got a pizza from Jesse, then I call you a liar. And so when we think of like church age doctrine in that and where Paul actually was, you know, Egypt is a picture of the world. And so I'm not trying to go to the world to get my doctrine. I'm only here to talk about the King James Bible tonight. And so I just want to make that point clear. Um, if you would go to Exodus 24. And we'll pick up in verse 12. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua and Moses went up into the mount of God. So, we know that the Lord is the creator of all things, the earth, the, everything in it, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the inspiration, all the wisdom of the world, everything that's here comes from the Lord, who here is, 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 is basically trying to get Moses to come up here so he can give them the, the law of the land, right? So, 
a lot of times when you're facing the world, the, who here has dealt with somebody that says, that book is written by a man? Everybody in the room, right? I mean, come on. All right, so what I want to do first tonight is confront that issue. I want you to build confidence on that issue, and I want you to stand courageously against it. I want you to stand firm. In the words of Brother Peacock, I just gave you three C's. Um, and so think about, think about the, 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 the verses right there, and then I want to start with a quick history lesson on the KJV itself. So the KJV was sponsored, not written, but sponsored by King James the Sixth, and was commissioned in 1604 and published in 1611. I think it's interesting that if all a creation was a, 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 um, a process of seven days, I think it's kind of neat that the book happened to be a process of seven years, right? Uh, the book contains 37 books of the Old Testament, 27 of the New Testament. I'm, you guys know that. As Bible believers, we recognize this book specifically as the written word of God, right? But even the world considers it one of the most important books of English culture. There should be an exclamation or a parentheses there. And over 500 million copies have been sold. So it's not in the shadows somewhere. I want you to hold on to that word copies. Now, in regards to it being written by a man, note that those 47 scholars were split into six different groups, and they were put to a task of um, um, putting together different sections of our book. Um, And they did that by volunteer. They, They did it without pay. Also note that it's not by a man that there was 47 men. So this is a group, not just some guy dictating the word of God. It's interesting that those six different companies put together different sections that all flow together like they do. Um, The concept of 47 people volunteering to go like live in a place and put this book together and not get a paycheck. Does anybody here want to go to work tomorrow for nothing? Me neither, right? I mean, it goes without saying. Uh, And with that being said, sometimes you're on a project, it could be a loved one, could be brother, sister, mother, daughter, wife, husband, whoever. You could be doing something and it's like, ah, to work in a group sometimes. These guys did this for a long period of time with a bunch of strangers and they did it for free. So, and to clarify, none of us here want to do that. So I think that that's pretty interesting within itself. Um, And I don't want to spend my time on world history. We're going to come back to this. Um, But I do want to to point it out because I've been confronted with the issue that that they did it for money, that uh, uh, King James did it for money, and that that he was trying to buy his way into heaven. I've had people come at me with that. Um, There's no money in this book. Um, So how could that be true? Um, The copyright was not for sale. It is not for sale. Um, In the UK, they actually protect it by what they call a royal prerogative. Um, I've never been... I hate accents. I don't know if you know that about me, but it drives me nuts. As I was thinking about that, so there was this day at work that the phone rang, and this person's like, 
do you remember last year when I got 10 large pizzas and a bumpy cake? And I'm just like, what did this guy just say? <laughs> anyway, so these, the, the authors, they're humans, right? They, they, they had needs they were taken care of, but they all walked away empty-handed, minus the idea of helping to put this book together. To me, this is strange to say the least, and I might consider it an act of God. There's been a few things in my life that I feel like have happened that don't make sense to have happened that I can look back in and be like, wow, that was probably an act of God right there. I might say that this goes with that just as much. Um, One more C word for you, the copies. So this one excites me. I think that this is awesome. And just as Pastor says, the best commentary on the Bible is? The Bible. Yes. So let's go over to Exodus 32, 15, 19. 15 through 19. And we're going to pick up the Lord gave Moses the word. And pick it up in 15. Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written, and the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that I sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of, the, out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. So, uh, in the beginning, we saw that the Lord gave Moses the tables with his own handwriting. I'm sure it was nice. I'm sure these things were beautiful. But before Moses can even deliver them, um, it's apparent that the people don't have much concern. Moses wasn't gone that long, ultimately. He comes back, all chaos breaks loose. You guys don't appreciate it anyway, and he breaks the tables, tablets. So let's go ahead, uh, go forward to Exodus 34. Just a quick jump. And we'll pick up in 27. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words. For after the tenure of these words, I will have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, and he did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. What I'd like to point out with all that is that it said... The Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words. It's good to remember. Those tablets weren't originals. Originals were destroyed. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I was inspired by the book of Ezra and that word copy. That's actually 
where the, the inspiration for this message came from was as I was reading Ezra, and Ezra 4.11, Ezra 4.23, all use the term the copy. In Ezra 4.11 um, is, 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 sorry, in all except 4.11 is referring to different letters that were written by the Gentile king in regards to restoration of the temple. But 4.11 was, was, was one that was written to him. Um, all these letters were directly in a response to a request to stop the restoration. So you have a king sending messages and someone sending back to him. And even though this is the authority of what's being spoken, it's all presented as a copy. How does that happen, by the way? I'm up here speaking. Would anybody say that this was a copy? It's just one of those things you tilt your hat. Copy is one of those words that people want to use to belittle your book. Uh, so what kind of uh, authority does a copy have, right? Because, I mean, he's just some Gentile king. I mean, how does that look? Let's go to 2 Samuel 6. And we'll pick up in verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. So we already went through and agreed that those tables were copies, and yet this man reached out to touch what was holding them and still wound up dead on the floor right there. We also know, on the ground, and we also know that all the communications between this king to, uh, uh, to do with the restoration, um, that was all come through copies as well. Um, so um, I think that what you can see in, in, these, in these passages here is the example that's given. Um, I, I, uh, I think that there's a ton of authority that's wrapped up in those copies. Um, other references, you don't have to turn there um, for, for the word copy. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, 18, And it shall be when he sit upon the throne of the kingdom that he shall write him a copy of the law in a book. Joshua eight thirty two, And when he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses. These words have the full authority, right? So Esther three fourteen, The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people that they should be ready against that day. Esther 4, 8. Also, they gave him the copy of the writing of the decree. Esther 8.13, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people. So I think that we can see very easily that if somebody says, oh, you know, it's written by man, it's just a copy, I think we've covered both grounds, right? We could see that, that how, how man can be inspired. And then we all can, also can see that 
um, not to be swayed by that word copy. The, the copy, a copy within, within the fullest extent of a copy has the same authority as any quote-unquote original. Uh, what did Paul have to say about it in Galatians 4.30? He says, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? And so by saying that, he's actually uh, providing authenticity to the scripture that we have. Um, well, when the Bible talks about scripture, it's never referring to originals. What originals would there even be? So, now, uh, Jesus' view on the matter, I'd like to look at a couple different things here. At this point, we've done a brief history on the KJV. We've took a look at the word copy. We've discovered the authority that it holds. And so, my last point, I'd like to run some references with you. I promise we won't take too long. But I think for sake of the study, for sake of going through this and then venturing back out into the world that is going to give you a hard time when you see them next if you try to bring up the, the topic, I want you to know what the book says. I want to know what the book says. We should all want to know what the book says. And so let's go to Matthew 4.4. 4. Most of these are going to run in a way that shouldn't be too bad to flip to But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So most of us have heard this many times, but this time I want you to try to picture Moses. Uh, Remember it said that the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, and he wrote upon the tables. I wholeheartedly believe that those 47 scholars were sitting there um, with this same type of inspiration. Uh, and in terms of not living, it also shows the importance for your spiritual survival. You can't get too far away from preaching or the word before your brain starts to get too far off track. Um, I know you guys know that. Let's flip to Mark 7. And pick up in 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such things like ye do. Now, there's not much that makes me want to puke in my mouth, but when I drive by a church that has a nativity scene sitting out front, I just feel like they're not too much into their book if that's the case. And... I mean, for me, it's just an easy way to veto a church. If they got a nativity scene out front, then they're probably not following the word, as it says. Um, another thing that really grinds my gears is if you have other fellow churchgoers, fellow churchgoers that love the Lord, but they kind of turn their nose up at his word. And so I feel like if you aren't following the word, then you're just making up your own worship. And if you're making up your own worship, then you're worshiping yourself And I guess I'm just digressing and should probably go. But I'm just saying, Luke 4, 32. I brought that up because of the tradition. We're resting on the word. We're resting on the book. 
And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. So who can quote the author quite like the author? These are the Lord's own, own words. So of course he preached them all with power, right? I'll just start reading these to you unless you want to go, but I don't want to make you all have to run, the, run everything. John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Is there anything else in the world that we know to be truth other than this? Nothing, right? I think that we're pretty much getting the picture here. Um, But to just nail it down, Revelation 19.13, and it says, And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. His name is called what? These aren't just words here. John 1.14. Actually, you know what? You guys should turn here. Go to John 1.1, please. We're, we're almost done, I promise. Pastor says old paper and ink is the best way to get it into your eyeballs. So let's just do this one time. So, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? John 1, 14. And I know a lot of you know this, but I'm hoping I can tie this all together for you. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as only the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So I don't know if you've ever sat back and and really thought about that, but the Word was made flesh. That's pretty deep stuff. We literally have God manifested in these books, right? I'm not talking about the paper and ink. I understand that's man-made. But somewhere underlying in these words, somewhere between there and the voice of your head, you have the Lord, the creator of all things, in this book. And so I know that some of what I've given you is kind of monotonous and tedious, but I'm hoping to give you a little bit more strength in your, in, your, in your reference points when you're out there. We literally have God manifested in these books. Uh, Esther 8.8. 8. Okay, so I got a few that I think are just, you can make of them what you will. Esther 8.8 8 says, Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Kind of an interesting thing, right? Psalm 68, 11. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company that published it. Strange, right? Ecclesiastes 8, 4. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? You can take from those what you will. I think that they might be just like subtle little clues in there, but you can take from it what you will. Um, let's wrap this up. Um, today, we've, tonight, we've addressed some of the issues that the world's going to confront you with. We've taken a look at where the King James comes from. We face that our books aren't the originals. And quite frankly, I don't know about you, but I might even be happy about that. I mean, it, Moses' words weren't even the originals. Like... 
Anyway, um, so John 14, 23 says, Jesus, an- Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So when you're thinking about the words, when you get out there and somebody starts coming at you sideways, and again, we're not talking about the ESV, the NIV, we're not talking about books that remove the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about books that want to take out the blood of Jesus Christ, the name the Lord Jesus Christ. It's far more than the these and the thous. We're talking about the King James Bible, the actual word of God, when you venture out into the world and anybody wants to come at you. And I understand we all have to, have to, have to, have to navigate those because what you have is somebody that desperately needs the Lord. And it's really hard not to cut their ears off in that moment. So, but let's wrap this up. What I'd like everybody to do is stand up. And I want you to hold your book in the air. And if you know this verse, I want you to say it loudly. Matthew sixteen eighteen, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And now I'd like to end this in the only way that I can see fit. Brother Rob, if you come up here, you turn in your books to page 204. I'd like to sing the King James Bible stands. <laughs>